This week on the Wager Pager podcast. CBS will stick to its no gambling talk policy during the broadcast of Super Bowl 53. And one sports gambling icon is not happy about it. The FanDuel Sportsbook here in New Jersey had its mobile betting app crash for the second consecutive Sunday. We'll give you guys the details. And this week we are joined by Joe Osborne of OddShark.com to talk some hot trends in the NHL and NBA. Get pumped, get psyched. It's the Wager Pager podcast. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Wager Pager podcast, where we talk about everything in the world of sports gambling news, conduct must-hear interviews, and give out picks and analysis. I'm your host, Chris Rogers. Don't forget to follow me and our show on Twitter, at the Wager Pager. And I'm here, as always, with the lovely and talented Mercedes Bianca Barba, and there's no football this weekend. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> yeah, well, there is plenty of college basketball to keep you busy, Chris. Hey, guys, what's up? I'm your host, Mercedes Barba. You can follow me on Twitter at Mercedes Bianca. We have another great show in store for you guys today. It's everyone's favorite week, the layoff before the Super Bowl. And as much as we're fiending for more football after the first ever championship Sunday with two overtime games with two crazy endings, we're not going to dive into the big game until next week's episode. But we really do have a fun interview coming up later. And since there's no football this weekend, we gave the Dice Man the week off. Let's do this, guys. Here's your sports gambling news. CBS is apparently sticking to their guns about something they announced earlier this season related to sports gambling. CBS Sports chairman Sean McManus said this week, Our policy has been, we don't discuss gambling information, we just don't do that. That means you won't hear Jim Nance or Tony Romo tell you that the Patriots are a two-point favorite during the CBS broadcast of the Super Bowl next Sunday. You won't hear them tell you that the over-under is 56 and a half or hear them talk about the hundreds of Super Bowl props that bettors at Super Bowl parties across America will be making. Sports betting icon Brent Musburger, who is a face of Visa and the Vegas Stats and Information Network, appeared on a local Chicago radio show this weekend, and when asked about the policy, he said, quote, It's ridiculous. I mean, of course they should refer to it. All you have to do is give the point spread and say that somebody's favored by a field goal or a touchdown, and they're expecting a game with a total points in the 50s or the 60s, and basically you've covered it. Hopefully this is something that can be worked out before the next football season. We'll wait and see. And switching gears here, guys, New Jersey's FanDuel Sportsbook had its mobile sports betting app crash on NFL Championship Sunday. This happened just minutes before the big game matchup between Kansas City and New England. This was the second consecutive Sunday this occurred. According to NJ Online Gambling, a FanDuel spokesman said, quote, We have worked hard in a short period of time to build a great product for sports bettors in New Jersey. The response from our users has been incredible, but it has led to stability issues when the site experiences high demand. FanDuel is essentially blaming heavy traffic for the crash. Let's hope they can get it all together and figure it out before Super Bowl 53 next Sunday. All right, guys, here's this week's guest, Joe Osborne. What's up, guys? We have a really cool guest this week. You may know him from his appearances on VSIN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, or you've probably read his articles on OddShark.com, where he also serves as the content manager. We welcome to the Wager Pager, Joe Osborne. Hey, Chris. What's up, buddy? What's going on, Joe? Thanks for being here. You guys can follow Joe on Twitter at JFTOZ. That's JFTOZ. 
How's the weather up there in Canada? Are you freezing your ass off or what? Man, it is ice cold up here. It's the dog days of winter up here. You feel it in your bones and the sidewalks and streets are just caked with salt. Um, but you know what? It, it makes you tough and it gives you character. So uh, I'm used to it and uh, it's just the way it is, man. There you go. You're going to be uh, ice picking some winners. Oh, of course. Yeah, shoveling the driveway and all that fun stuff. <laughs> where, is, uh, where exactly in Canada are you from? I'm fr- I'm actually from a place called St. John, New Brunswick, which is probably about an hour from the main border. So I grew up spending a lot of time down in the New England area, uh, Boston and uh, Bangor, Maine. Uh, right now I'm in Halifax, Nova Scotia, right up on the Atlantic Ocean. And um, it's a beautiful place to live. Uh, it's a bit of a smaller city. Uh, but it's a, it's a quick flight to, uh, you know, New York, Boston, Montreal, Toronto, uh, all the big cities on the East Coast. All right, very cool. Um, for those that aren't familiar with you yet, why don't you just take a couple minutes here and tell us a little bit about your background story and how you first got hooked up with Odd Shark. Uh, my background story, it's actually probably quite similar to a lot of people who work in sports media. When I was a, a little kid, uh, of course, my dream was to... Uh, be a professional athlete. I wanted to play second base for the Toronto Blue Jays. I grew up when the Jays went back to black, back to back, sorry, in 92 and 93. And then, of course, you get to an age where you realize, uh, that, uh, you're not really that good at sports. So, uh, <laughs> my goal then became to work in sports media because, you know, you watch Sports Center and stuff like that. And, you know, it just became a passion of mine. And, uh, a real goal because I thought it was uh, a dream job to work and doing something that you love to do. So uh, after high school, I went and studied broadcast journalism and public relations to learn how to become a better writer. And I got to tell you, man, there was a lot of bumps in the road along the way. I worked at radio stations and it just absolutely sucked the life out of you when you think you're the most creative person in the world, but you're stuck behind a desk. Uh, running around doing admin stuff for people all day. But uh, it's kind of funny, man. I was in a job that uh, I did not like, and I was just kind of doing a blog on the side uh, just for free, just because I was passionate about it. And I got a random call from someone that said, hey, are you still interested in working in uh, sports sports media? And I said, well, yeah, of course. And I assumed it was going to be for some rinky-dink job writing, like covering high school football or something like that. But uh, <laughs> it ended up being for the job at Odd Shark, and I've been with these guys for three and a half years now. And the company has grown quite a bit in that time, and I've grown quite a bit too. Uh, anyone who's been a user of the website uh, could attest to that as well. So uh, the sports betting industry is growing quite a bit, and Myself and the company is growing right alongside with it. Very cool, man. Yeah, we're excited to be part of the industry as well, and we're huge fans of your work. Transitioning over here a little little bit, um, since football is coming to an end, and no one's really happy about that, but we're uh, we're glad to have Joe here because we're tr- we're going to be transitioning our content into a little more stuff about hockey, basketball, UFC, golf, and I know you handicap almost everything, so. Uh, why don't you tell us about uh, something you've been tweeting about a lot lately and everyone's talking about in the sports gambling world. It's these NHL first period overs. My God, man, people, like, like I had no clue. Um, I like to bet different, uh, like, first half, 
in football, first five innings in baseball, first quarter, first half in NBA. But at first period betting in hockey, you know, it never really crossed my mind. But a couple months ago, you start hearing a little bit about it. Uh, people are making money off it. There's a few teams that are heating up in that spot and becoming like automatic go-to reliable bets. And it is the hottest trend in sports betting right now. What people love about these is that some teams just go on these incredible runs where they're just absolutely printing money for people, and you can basically bet these teams blind that they're going to come through and win. A couple of examples, Chicago Blackhawks recently, they went over the first period total in 27 of 30 games at one point, which is absolutely nuts. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they went over the first period total in 18 straight games at one point. So uh, the first period total, it's uh, usually always set at one and a half goals, and the odds on that is different based on the game. But it's gotten so out of control that some sports books are actually moving that number up to two goals in the first period because uh, they're just losing money hand over fist on it. Uh, there's a few teams, uh, over the course of the season, the Blackhawks, they're going over an 80% of first periods. Lightning, they're going over in 79.6. Blue Jackets are a pretty good one, too. It's a bit of a drop-off, though, 68.8, and that's the same number for the Sharks. Um, now, the Overs, of course, they're getting all the attention, but there's one team that's cashing big time as an underbed in the first period, and that's the Dallas Stars, who are hitting at 70% uh, on the under in the first period. So it's a fun way to bet. You don't have to watch the whole game. Uh, you can go to bed early if you want to. And uh, <laughs> there's some teams that, that they've just been ultra, ultra reliable uh, in that spot. And, you know, I, I was kind of half kidding when I said, you know, people betting them blind. Some people are doing that. I would never recommend just making a bet blind. There are some situations where, you know, the Lightning or Blackhawks might be in a game with a team who's really good defensively, and maybe they're not so good offensively. So uh, each game you have to look at it differently, but uh, it's definitely been a, a fun betting trend, and I hope it keeps up. Right on, dude. about to jump on board with that. I, uh, I noticed because, as you probably know, we're down here in New Jersey. I do a lot of my wagering on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And I did notice the other night on a, a number of these teams, <laughs> they've moved that total up to two. So that's crazy, just for a first period, two goals. Yeah, they don't. They're they're sick of giving away money off people betting these. Now it's funny, um, a lot of the the odds, you know, typically you would find them at one minus one twenty five, for example. But some of these situations with the Blackhawks and Lightning, they're moving up to minus one sixty. And even more, uh, now depending on where people bet, I noticed like, uh, the, uh, UK sports books, Betway, for example, is one that I use. Uh, the prices on them are a little bit cheaper over there. And I don't know if it's just a coincidence because it is a UK bet, uh, book and maybe first period NHL betting isn't really popular over there. But, uh, <laughs> I do recommend people shop around a little bit and you might be able to get a better price depending on the book. Right on. Very cool. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about these uh, NBA first quarter against the spread trends that you've been talking about? Yeah, first quarter NBA. Um, it's uh, it, it's a fun way to bet. There's a little bit of randomness involved, so you do have to be careful. But if you pay attention, uh, there are some teams that go on little stretches throughout the season where they either get off to a really strong start or 
a really poor start. And also, there's some teams that perform very differently uh, at home and on the road. So, for example, uh, teams who start off really strong uh, in little stretches. Uh, let's take a look at the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, they had a bit, some bumps in the road there uh, entering 2019, but they're on a decent little stretch now. Uh, so over their last five games, they rank first in the NBA in first quarter point margin at plus 8.4. It just so happens on Thursday night, they're hosting the New Orleans Pelicans, who are the worst for, first quarter bet in the NBA. Uh, now, I look at that as a starting point to handicap the bet. Uh, of course, it always depends on what the spread is, right? It's not an automatic bet by any means. But if you get good value on the first quarter spread, that's one to look at. Um, on the other side of the coin, uh, you have the Phoenix Suns, who they've been just atrocious. Uh, they're on a really bad stretch in the first quarter. They have a point margin of minus 9.4. Uh, they're hosting Portland on Thursday night, who is actually the number one first quarter spread bet on the road in the NBA at 16 and 6 against the spread, um, on the road. Um, one team that this is going to be a surprise to a lot of people that the Cleveland Cavaliers are one of the best first quarter bets in the NBA, uh, 28, 19 and two against the spread. And that's a bit of a surprise for a team that's as bad as they are. They, they are the worst team in the league, but they get off the decent starts and people, you can often get them at plus four, sometimes even plus five on the first quarter spread. So, uh, yeah, that, that's definitely a spot to look for. Uh, another team that's a bit of a surprise is the Orlando Magic. They're 16 and 6 against the spread on the road in the first quarter of this season. Uh, and the worst first quarter bet in the league, like I said, is the New Orleans Pelicans. They're 17 31 against the spread in the first quarter. So those are a few spots to keep your eyes out for. Juicy, man. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking at that chart that you tweeted out. It looks like the Brooklyn Nets are number one. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, they're right behind, uh, updated as of this morning on, uh, Thursday morning. Uh, okay. the Brooklyn Nets, they are now right behind the Trailblazers. The Trailblazers are the number one team in the league. And yeah, the Nets have been really good in this spot too. They get up to incredible starts in the first quarter. They're a pretty good shooting team. You wouldn't really think so because they've been so bad in the past couple of years, but they're one of those teams that they're, they're kind of on the come up a little bit. Um, I don't think they're they're definitely not going to make any noise in the playoffs or anything like that. But from a betting perspective, uh, they're a pretty good spread bet, especially in the first quarter. Awesome, man. Sneaky, sharp stuff, guys, from Joe Osborne at JFTOZ on Twitter. Definitely uh, check out these spots, NBA first quarters and uh, NHL first periods. Let's transition over to the NFL. I'm sure you watched what went down last weekend in the conference championship games. First time ever, two overtime games on Championship Sunday. And everyone's talking about the overtime game with the Chiefs and the Patriots and what happened and how it all went down and how the Patriots drove right down the field after winning the coin toss. What is your opinion on the overtime rules in the NFL, in the playoffs at least? Um, well, during the regular season, I think they're fine, but I, I really, I'm strongly believe that in the playoffs, they have to switch this up. I think both offenses should get the opportunity to touch the ball. The team that wins the coin toss, which is completely random, has a massive advantage, and we saw that with the Patriots, of course. Uh, what I would love to see would be a 10-minute 
overtime in the playoffs, and just at the end of that 10 minutes, whoever's leaving the game wins. Simple as that. Uh, both offense would, offenses would get to touch the ball, but it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Um, I'm not a fan of the Chiefs, or especially not a fan of the Patriots. Um, but, you know, everyone except the Patriots fans and people bet on the Patriots would have wanted to see Patrick Mahomes get his hands on the ball. And this is, we've seen this numerous times in the playoffs so far. It's, it's kind of silly, really. In, in baseball, both teams get the hit. Could you imagine the first team that hits if they score a run at the end of the game? Kind of similar, maybe. But I would love to see in the playoffs if they switched overtime to a 10-minute uh, overtime quarter or overtime period, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I just think both teams should get to touch the ball. And like I said, you're allowing something that is random, a coin toss, to have a massive effect on a sudden-death win-or-go-home game. So let's switch that up. I don't think the NFL is going to do it. They don't tend to listen to the fans <laughs> as, as much as we, we would like them to, but that's what I would like to see. Yeah, man, I totally agree. Whoever won that toss was going right down the field, especially that game in particular. Nobody was stopping anyone in the whole fourth quarter. It's just it's ridiculous. Definitely want to see Pat Mahomes touch the ball there. Yeah, and one other thing. I know everyone's talking about the uh, the non-pass interference call in uh, the Saints-Rams game, which that was absolutely garbage. But one thing that's being kind of uh, uh, glazed over is the fact on the punt play where they originally said Edelman touched the ball uh, that um, he muffed it or whatever, or apparently he, he didn't didn't muff it, but and uh, Casey picked it up and ran into the end zone, and then they overturned the call. I had a major issue with that because there wasn't irrefutable evidence that he didn't or did touch the ball, but the call on the field was that he did touch the ball. So you got to stick with whatever the call was on the field in that instance, and. There was no evidence that either did, either thing did happen. So I think the Chiefs really got screwed there. Oh, totally, man. You know it always gets dicey with New England, the X-Files and all that. Oh, man. man. Yeah, that I, I, was, I am quite bitter about that game, to be honest. I was on KC. Um, I'm sick of seeing New England and the Patriots. And this kind of behind-the-curtain uh, behind thing, I guess, uh, for someone who works in sports media, this is the third straight year that I'm covering the Patriots and the Super Bowl. So, you know, I'm a little tired of it. I'm a little over it, uh, a little exhausted of it. The storylines are the same thing every single year. But, you know, you got to give Tom Brady credit, man. Nobody's better in the fourth quarter in those high-pressure situations. So, um, you can't take anything away from him for that. Yeah, well, I hope the uh, Rams have some high security at their practice facilities this week and next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Patriots, uh, you know, they they do tend to skirt around the rules a little bit, don't they? <laughs> they sure do. Okay, speaking of the Patriots and the Super Bowl, do you have any early leans that you can talk about? Um, I don't have an early lean. I have uh, my pick. I'm all set, man. I'm taking the Patriots cover the spread I would be it's on the move a little bit some places it's at minus two and a half some places minus three I'd be comfortable taking the Patriots anywhere inside of four points um, the current spread it suggests that it's going to be a tight game uh, if that is the case I'm taking Brady in the fourth quarter over Jerry Goff 100 times out of 100 um, 
there's nothing to really quantify this, but I, I have a feeling that it's going to be kind of an uncharismatic, uh, drama-free win by the Patriots. Um, I think the Rams will keep it close in the first half, and the Patriots will probably pull away in the second. New England's playing their best ball of the year. They came into the playoffs with a lot of red flags. They absolutely destroyed the Chargers. They won in a very difficult situation in Kansas City. I think that Gronk is rejuvenated. I think he's going to have a really big game in the Super Bowl, by the way. And I think if Belichick and McDaniels will be ultra-motivated to stick it to the new coaching darling, Sean McVay. So, yeah, I'm on New England on this one. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, someone was talking about Gronk going into uh, professional wrestling if and when he does retire. And I was thinking they should call him the Gronky Tonk Man. Okay, I don't know how the honky tonk man would feel about that. But, uh, yeah, right I think they'll probably just go Gronk. He'll he'll stick. Everyone knows who he is, so I don't. He's he's a gimmick in his own right, so I don't think he would need much of a gimmick. But one thing that I want people to keep an eye out for in the Super Bowl. So I did a lot of research on this this week. Really surprising number that came out to me. Uh, the Patriots they played in eight Super Bowls in the Brady Belichick era. And those eight combined Super Bowls, they've only scored three points in the first quarter. Out of eight games, three combined points. So keep an eye on that. It might be a really good spot to make a live bet on the over, maybe. Uh, the number's really high on the over right now, 57 and a half, 58, depending on the book. But, uh, yeah, if they get off to a slow start, <laughs> I would look to – see what the live total goes down to and maybe hit the over. So why do you think that is? The Patriots don't normally do anything on accident. Do you think that's by design? Is that Belichick kind of like feeling out the other team, seeing what kind of game is going to happen? No, it's, I don't think it's by design. I don't think that they would purposely hold back, but <laughs> they just get off to slow starts. Like, if you look at their uh, two other super, two most recent Super Bowls, uh the average combined score was 74 against the Eagles and 62 versus the Falcons. So they got off the slow starts in those ones, and those games both easily went over. So I don't think it's by design. I don't think it's on purpose. It is simply the way it is, and there's nothing to really quantify it. But I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen again. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Rams get off to a slow start offensively with you know maybe some pregame jitters from off and Gurley and the boys, but yeah, I think it, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on that during the game, and it might be an excellent live betting spot. All right, very cool. Uh, switching gears here a little bit, I know you're a big UFC guy, and UFC 234 is coming up in a few weeks. Anything popping out at you from the board? Well, of course, the, the, the two big fights on the card, we have the main event for the middleweight title between uh, Calvin Gastelum and Robert Whitaker, and I got to tell you, I like I like Gaslam at plus two ten. Um, I'm gonna wait to pull the trigger. Um, one thing that I'll be curious to see, of course, this fight is happening in Australia, and Whitaker has a massive advantage. He's he's from Australia, so he's there right now, training and and living his life. So I will be curious to see how far before the fight Gaslam actually goes to Australia. I think the sooner the better to give him an advantage to totally adjust his his body and internal clock and just living habits, I guess. So, man, this guy has pulled off some big upsets before, and he's chronically underrated 
in his career. He has some really big wins. Of course, he beat Jacques Ray. He beat Michael Bisping. He beat Tim Kennedy, Johnny Hendricks, when Johnny Hendricks was still half decent. So he's he's had some big wins. So I, I think there is some value there at plus 210, and that's not taking anything away from Robert Whitaker, who is great. But we see massive upsets all the time in the UFC. And I wouldn't call this a massive upset. It would be an upset indeed. But, um, yeah, I have my eye on him. And for the, <laughs> the co-main event between Israel Adesanya and Anderson Silva, it's not really bettable at this point because Adesanya is such a massive favorite. He's up to minus 700 at Bovada right now. So not not much profit to be made right there. So... If you're betting on that one, I would wait for props to come out and maybe Edisonia by uh, finish by TKO, maybe Edisonia in the first round. If you do strongly believe in him, I think that will be the bet to make, depending on what the odds are, of course. That 210 certainly does seem sexy. All right, guys, that was Joe Osborne from Odd Shark. You can follow Joe at JFT Oz on Twitter. Be sure to check out some of his awesome videos on the platform and read his column on oddshark.com. Joe, thanks for hopping on the pager, man. Hey, man. Thank you very much for having me on. And I want to wish everyone good luck with their best, not just tonight, the next couple weeks in the Super Bowl. Good luck in all of 2019 and bet smart. Right on. Let's do this. Let's cash some tickets. And that's it for episode 21. And as always, good luck, happy handicapping, and may the gambling gods look gracefully down upon you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and don't forget to leave us a review. And please, guys, tell all your friends about us. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wager Pager. Also, if you or a loved one has a gambling addiction, don't be scared to seek help. You can contact the National Council on Problem Gambling at 1-800-522-4700. They're open 24 hours a day and all calls and text messages are confidential. Get pumped, get psyched. It's the Wager Pager Podcast. Bye, guys. Later. The Wager Pager podcast is co-hosted and co-produced by Chris Rogers and Mercedes Barba. Edited by Mercedes Barba. Created by Chris Rogers. Additional analysis provided by Jim Rulin. Music by The Morose Project. Produced and written at San Francisco Music Studios. Logo designed by John Carbonella. And all picks are for entertainment purposes only. These plays are not financial advice. Bowl, and as much as we're fiending for more football after the first ever championship shut, damn it! And as much as and as much fiending. as we're, I know, I know. And as much as we're fiending, 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 just just fiending? emphasis on fiending. You don't have to hold. But it. is it fiending or fiending? Fiending. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. You don't know how to say that. No. <laughs>